link once it goes live. here with the slow grift another grifty grifty evening grifty evening grifty evening to you sir <laughs> and also grift you <laughs> so what's up man what's up <laughs> oh not much man just enjoying uh enjoying the the slopes this afternoon okay past few days two days i've been getting out there skiing well, that's good. I, I, don't, even I know. haven't skied in twenty years. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. It's it's good to stay limber and you know feel like a somewhat of an athlete when you're you know going like fifty miles an hour down a mountain. It's kind of kind of fun, but also uh, you know a rush. Yeah, if you feel like a woman, hey. <laughs> um. I'm not finishing that one. Yeah, I, I'm. Le I'm letting that lie. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, cool. I missed a. I missed a meeting today, but it was actually yesterday. So even if it was today, I still missed it. Oh no! <laughs> the word. <laughs> oh, double miss. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. I've done that in reverse, where I showed up to work a day early <laughs> and got stuck in traffic overachiever oh, that's it yeah like that's that's the good the good kind of wrong you know thanks for waiting for me <laughs> yeah super bummer though getting stuck in traffic for no reason but yeah you know that's okay gross gross <laughs> so i'm uh curious what we got going on well you know there's a there's a lot happening still in the world of ours mm -hmm. and uh i'm gonna share my screen here okay and so uh you know a lot of uh ideas being tossed around uh about what we should do as a as a country for uh you know foreign conflict and uh you know whether we should whether we should stand with or against one color of a flag or another i don't know it's just there's a lot uh that we're we're being uh we're being told about why we have to do one thing or another and hmm. i notice that um both fear and hatred are are very common tools of convincing people you know i mean covid clearly showed that uh, but you know, Ukraine is just a continuation of that, mm -hmm. and, and to some extent, uh, Katanji Brown Jackson. Mm. Is really, I haven't really been following that, to be, to be frank. But um, too busy standing with Ukraine. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm too busy diving into this uh, this realm over here. Are we sharing yeah. my screen? Are we? Am I, oh, you haven't done it yet. Got it. Yeah, I'm just gonna um, say no. You can't be a Stonewall and Jackson, my friend. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's oh, good. That's we'll good. have to tackle that next episode. Maybe you can you can bring me into the yeah the Booker Tears. <laughs> oh no, it's bad. This is a this is an unpleasant sight to my face right now. What do we, what do we got here? Oh yeah. Oh, so you just you just popped in. Well, popped uh, in. Yeah. Popped in. you know it's it's funny you say that because. I was actually going to start with this video uh, just just as a l- more light affair. Um, it's a slight hate listen, but yeah. it's also I. It, so this is a Vox video from 2018. Oh, um, oh, it's an analysis, is it? Uh, oh, yeah, baby. Oh, my God. Um, so you're going to get you're going to get some insight into propaganda. Now, mind you, when they're telling you this about how they view Trump, that also applies to how they're going to use these tactics with, Oh, I don't know, a virus a couple of years later oh, wow. or, oh, uh, or, or, you know, <laughs> something else, which will be brought in. And I think it's, uh, we can watch as much of this as we want, but I think it's, it's just, there's a lot of uh, bell ringing moments. So get ready, get ready. Okay. If, before you pop into this, okay. uh-huh. let's explain the hate listen. Uh, oh, sure. Well, for a hate listen, to my understanding is just like, you know, when you watch something that uh, you uh, cringe multiple times throughout, whether it's Stephen Colbert or, uh, you know, certain presentations of Buzzfeed news or any, any like not the best analysis or not the best podcast or not the best, you know, it's just, but you still need to, to listen because it's, you need that information insight into how, other people think you know sure sure okay that makes sense that's more an intellectual approach i think yeah hate listen i mean <laughs> you know we're kind of it, it's being blunt about it hate, but then, hate watching yeah you know like this is kind of cringeworthy and everyone has their own hate listen you know i remember back in the day i'd turn on am radio listen to rush or whoever else just out of like god these guys are fucking dude i'm like oh john hannity for at least a full oh my year. God, that's full year, dude. dude. It prepped me for NPR. <laughs> yeah, that's when you realize it's the same. It's all the same thing. It's all the same. One thing or another. Yeah, because I was uh, thinking uh, about the hate listen at first was like what, and maybe this is also true, and we're analyzing it because we need to find out what mm-hmm. the other people are tuning into arise that hateful spirit with inside them. Exactly. I mean, because, that's yeah. Like in the in this picture here with Trump <laughs> and Clinton is the ultimate, in my mind, hate listen. <laughs> Are you sure to... about that? Because Joe Biden's kind of making it uh... possibly. <laughs> I mean, I love these debates, but um, it was it was classic. But both both sides are like they're not like yeah, that's my person. They're just focusing mm-hmm. on how much they hate I know. the other person. Especially yeah. with the red dress as a Republican mm. and his blue tie. Like, tell me that's not coordinated. That's, oh, it all, yeah, it all is. Yeah. And we all have, everyone has their, and we'll get into this, but everyone has their, uh, their hate listen or their, or their two minutes of hate uh, person, their oh. Emmanuel Goldstein, you know. Oh, yeah. um, Mine, mine's probably closer to me than I'd like to admit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, true. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, uh, let's let's hear what Vox uh, Vox has to say about propaganda. I'm sure they have a lot of insights. So let's let's listen. At the height of the 2016 election, researchers released a report warning about a strange propaganda technique. Another day, another lie, another conspiracy theory, another falsehood. They called it the fire hose of falsehood. When a propagandist bombards people with more lies than they can possibly keep up with. Why all these lies? Why is it lie after lie after lie? According to the report. These lies don't have to be believable. It wasn't just a lie. It was such a bad, obvious lie. Researchers found that even obvious lies had the potential to be highly effective at shaping public opinion. I mean, he just says things, and then they are the truth in the world of the Donald. The thing is, that report wasn't about Trump. It didn't even mention him. It was about Russian propaganda. And it raised an interesting question. Ooh. <laughs> How could a powerful leader benefit from telling obvious lies? You've signed more bills than any president ever. The president just simply lies for no reason. I was against the war in Iraq. Why lie about something that you don't have to lie about? You have people registered in two states. They vote twice. Why does he keep repeating it if it's obviously not true? We're going to get to Trump in a minute. Hell yeah. But before <laughs> that, we have to talk to Christopher Paul. <laughs> You're a social scientist at the Rand Corporation. Ooh, the Rand Corporation. Yeah, this is total anti-establishment they're <laughs> drawn from here co-wrote the report on Russian firehosing, and he described it as having four key characteristics. Russian propaganda is high volume and multi-channel. It's rapid, continuous, and repetitive. It makes no commitment to objective reality, and it makes no commitment to consistency. Now, does that sound like Fauci to you, or? <laughs> hey Or any of the current yeah, politicians. What's yeah, the, yeah. I what was the term? Uh, flooding the zone. That's kind of like fire, zone. fire hosing. It's the same yeah. thing. Yeah. So, but this is Russian. So, oh no! Of course, no. The, look, at look at the flag. Look at the flag above it. You well, see, pull I mean, up see a the picture color. of fire hosing. Like, <laughs> Google that, and then see if uh, you know civil rights movement images. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah. The so, Russians were against that. Actually, I, I have no idea. If well, fire, I'm just saying, fire hosing is an anchor word for a lot of people. Like lynching. Mm, oh, wow. Yeah, that's a good, yeah. Good point. Ooh, sounds like Trump. Can you give me a second? I'm building a narrative here. The first two characteristics are pretty standard for propaganda. Research shows that if we hear a lie from multiple sources, we think of it as more credible. The same is true for lies we hear repeatedly. The more familiar we are with a lie, the more likely we are to think of it as true. But Basically, the we're just are stupid. <laughs> you know, we're so dumb. We just, you know. How we operate. We just I mean, just, everything. If it's well, he's, he's t- he was, was it uh, Goebbels? Uh, big <laughs> lie? Was was he the big lie guy? Or was it Hitler? He's the one that's quoted. I mean, that's first I, it was quoted by Hitler. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was Goebbels. Mm, okay. Goebbels. But yeah, Hitler. Big lie. Characteristics. No commitment to objective reality or consistency. That's surprising. They don't care that much about the truth. Much of their propaganda is either completely false or (laughs) has a kernel of truth. Maybe the most jarring example of this was in 2014, when the world watched as Russian troops entered Ukraine. There were a bunch of Russian soldiers wearing uniforms without insignia, and those were uh, little green men. This was a huge deal. 
Russia was essentially invading a country they had said they were not going to invade. But when Putin was asked about it, were these Russian soldiers? No. These were local self-defense forces. Putin vehemently denied, no, no, the little green men are not Russian soldiers. It wasn't just that Putin was lying. He was lying about something so obvious. There was footage of the soldiers airing on TV. Russian troops spreading out throughout the uh, strategic Crimean Peninsula. And then, a few weeks later, he just said the opposite. Of course, we had our servicemen. They were acting uh, very correctly. No, I'm sorry. No, I misspoke. Just, of course, we have troops there. This is counterintuitive. This is not what I expected, because I come from an influence background that says credibility is king and the truth will always win. Part of <laughs> is that is that right, Mr. Rain Corporation? Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. According to him. Being a good liar is not getting caught, making sure your lies are at least somewhat believable. When Dick Cheney said, There is no doubt Saddam Hussein now has weapons of mass destruction. He was lying, but to most people who aren't intelligence experts, it sounded credible. No, it didn't. What was Holland doing in front of the, you know, hearing committees? <laughs> yeah, they don't like to talk about him because they still like him. Huh, yeah. No, Dick Cheney, uh, I mean, I sure, but it... it no, I was a I was a junior in high school, and I was like, no, this this smells like bullshit. Awesome. I, there were plenty of people. I, <laughs> but there were, there are also plenty of people who fell for that too. But um, oh yeah, for sure. They said they'd never fall for it again. Of all, of all age groups too. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I was not. It was not the popular position to be against the Iraq War initially either, because it was riding that nine eleven wave. You know. Yeah. The terrorists you know, again. Mm -hmm that same well now yeah it's like it's like out. the trump wave uh went to the putin wave you know because it's like oh man who can we hit? oh that guy yeah but right. uh let's i guess we can continue to watch uh we'll we'll, we'll see how much you want to continue is this zach <laughs> is this guy's name zach i don't know probably zach Bichamp. nice tats there bro someone asked hey did you um eat my sandwich you'd say nope i brought my lunch from home you wouldn't say, you never had a sandwich. But when it comes to fire hosing, believability doesn't really matter. I think being willing to not be seen as credible is okay with the Russians. We'll come back to this. But right now, it's Trump time. Trump time. Since the election. <laughs> Dude. They love it. They love it. Dude, isn't this hilarious? There's just a... It goes back to my point about some people being addicted to psyops. And being yeah. addicted to traumatize, like, yeah, give give me the two minutes, hey guy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're they're leaving it in because it's like, I don't know, they're psyop addicts. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm building a narrative here. I love I love that one. Yeah, Mister Narrative. Yeah, he's he's putting another. And people have pointed out that Trump uses fire hosing too. I really had no view that this would be anything that anyone would think about applying to American politics. That's that's not what I'm about. I am concerned with foreign intervention in our political processes. Okay, fine. Donovan, bring in the second interview, please. <laughs> this, Thank you. you, ready you know, I think this? it can be deceptive just how different they look. But despite the different styles, I think they do the exact same thing. This is Masha Gessen. She's a Russian-American journalist, activist, and all-around badass. And she's been warning about the similarities between Trump and Putin for years. They just create sort of this unmanageable volume of falsehood. Gessen argues that firehosing, telling and retelling obvious lies, isn't about persuasion. 
It's about power. Yeah, because that's what they're saying. Remember, they're saying they're saying this about themselves, right? Yeah, she's, she's uh, guessing. She was a uh, leading LGBT rights activist, probably around the riot mm. pussy time. Oh yeah, she probably came out. Was that a was that was pussy riot to Ukraine thing? Was there a linkage there, or was that that was something else? Wasn't it? I think pussy riot was before, earlier. Wasn't I think it? It, yeah, I think it was before that actually. No, after it was pussy, it. Oh yeah, because I think it was Obama was used though. To, yeah, somehow I think it was used against Trump, though. Mm. That started it, too. Like, this whole pussy riot thing. Yeah, I think <laughs> you might be right. It was, it was before. I, yeah, I feel like it was. But, I mean, this has been ongoing for so long. Um, yeah. When Putin says there are no troops in Crimea... Or when Trump says he never mocked a disabled reporter. They're not just lying. They're asserting that they are not constrained by reality. That everything, even things that are totally obvious to us, can be challenged. I never said I, I never said it stops transmission. I, I, I didn't I mean we didn't lock down for no, it's the it's hospitalization. Yeah, but see this is where their little their little three number three and four on the bullet points. Where it was like they mm. no consistency was yeah. number four, but number three was they're denying reality. And then we got the Rand guy talking about how how do we know if it's true? Well, if you're denying real, like I'm saying, these people are denying reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. No, then they get to make up the truth. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yep. Yeah, and and whatever they're saying, whatever they're saying about Trump, it's like that is what, like they would also do that. You know, that's because they they understand the the power of that. They're yeah. they're, they're explaining the propaganda, but explicitly through the lens of uh, Trump. When in reality, these techniques apply to anybody who wants to use them. Yeah, Trump. It's <laughs> like a signal jam for them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, it what was the line she said? It they it becomes unmanageable, an unmanageable amount. What? Who's managing? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just a funny. Uh, Probably, yeah, probably unqualified people <laughs> if, it's, if it's unmanageable to them. I mean, that's just like the COVID. It's like mm. I, there was many different paths to go down. And if we had different sets of people running things, we would have gone down a different path. Yeah. Talk about unmanageable for those people. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No one's managing those people. That's right. Just head down, though. Keep going just... forward. Except us. We're, that's that's where slow griff comes in. <laughs> Yay. That's a very clear demonstration of power. You have to engage with what he said, even though it's false. Those last two features <laughs> of fire hosing, the shamelessness, uh-huh. the inconsistency, yep. yeah, like, like they're you said. kind of the point. Oh. The way that they lie <laughs> makes the obviousness of the lie part of the power play. Yes, I know that you know that what I'm saying is absurd. And I assert my right to say whatever I want, whenever I want to. He, he keeps um, urinating on the sidewalk, and we have to keep wiping it up. Uh, not the sidewalk, the living room rug. Yeah, on the rug. <laughs> Why, Why would you let life? him in your house? <laughs> right? Yeah, well, the yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, like so much wrong. Let him in your house. He won't piss on your rug. Let him piss on the sidewalk. <laughs> Just yeah. piss. Dude, you you let in this hateful man who you know what? It's like Stockholm syndrome. Oh, 2012 Pussy Riot. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Wow. 
their 2012 punk prayer against Ooh. Vladimir Putin. A punk prayer. Okay. Who then was serving as prime minister in between mm. presidential terms. Right. Yeah. And they, interestingly, they led it at Moscow's Christ the Savior Cathedral. I'm sure it's probably an amazing building. <laughs> wow, that's uh, good sound too. Playing a rock band in a, in a cathedral. <laughs> yeah, punk. Yeah, right. That's amazing. A prayer. Yeah, there's a lot of. <laughs> yeah, it's not a, a prayer. lot going on there. A lot of rituals. I can I can kind of sense. Yeah, we'll have, uh, to, we'll, we'll have to archive that one. How much more of this guy do you want to watch? Because I mean, oh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Narrative, <laughs> Mr. Narrative Man, Mr. Zach. Bouchamp, who also <laughs> uh, went to school for political science and philosophy and got his uh, at the London School of Economics. Oh, got oh no, you don't say. Wow. Relations. Does he have an ink sock tattoo as well? Like the Antifa teacher? Yeah. Because he, <laughs> he looks like he has the same like style as that guy. Yeah, he. Wow. Okay. <laughs> this is all on his LinkedIn. And he's a research associate was his first job at the University of Oxford, probably during his time of his advanced degree, writing academic paper. That's his language. Writing academic paper on the ethical implications of the military use of unmanned ground vehicles and blogs for Oxford's Uhuru Center of Practical Ethics. So he's a blogger. and. Huh. Wrote a paper on the ethics of unmanned ground vehicles and more. Wow. Yeah, I wonder. We'll have to dive into this guy a little bit. He looks bit so more. innocent. Yeah, sure. Yeah, he's very, very clever and cute. All right. Um, but to answer your question, as much as you want, baby. Okay. Um, let's just play a little bit more. Yeah. We'll Our knee-jerk reaction to lies like this is to fact-check them. Fact-checkers <laughs> are having a field day with this one. President Obama did not found ISIS. He was not wiretapped. There was no warrant out. It is not the biggest tax cut in U.S. history, as the fact-checkers have noted. But if the goal of firehosing is to assert power, fact-checking misses the point. There's nothing quite so humiliating and disempowering as trying to prove the truth. Think of... <laughs> is that right? Is that right? Is that the most disempowering and humiliating thing is having to prove the truth? <laughs> uh, I believe so. If you don't, if you don't know what the truth is, I assume that that's oh, so that hard. It's so humiliating. Probably be very difficult for you. <laughs> yeah. If you don't have any interest in pursuing it, it's, it's yeah. very humiliating. Or any compass to seek the truth. Yeah. Or any defenses against lies. That's what this sounds like. It's just like everybody's mm -hmm. defenseless against lies. Like the virus, they're just popping up everywhere, you know? <clears throat> well, it's it, it's not teaching people to parse what's being said and if it's true or not. It's just like, oh, my God, it's just so many lies. We can't. We don't know what to do. Like, really? I mean, if you have time, you, you might be able to figure something out. It's just that learned helplessness they're kind of perpetuating. Yeah, probably their own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's yeah, their own blindness to it uh and on that note i will uh will leave it there because all right yeah um we've got a lot of hate to get to oh, goodness. <laughs> you know because uh it, it's <clears throat> for some people hate seems to be like intoxicating it's like they get high on hate and uh <laughs> i think the 
the originator of this idea, at least in my head, is the Two Minutes Hate from 1984. Are you familiar with this? Very well. Yeah. Have you seen this? Yeah, I've read, read the book. And this it was for, a big deal, man. It was like everybody looked forward to it, and Winston just kind of like trudged along, you know, and kind of didn't he like act like he was hating just to fit in? Well, I, I'm not sure if uh, I th- I think so at certain points uh, later on in the book, but initially it's it's like you can't help it's it, everyone is just it's so captivating. Um, if you're listening, you'll you'll get the you'll get the sense from just the screams. But uh, I think this this is what I've been thinking about a lot in regards to you know who people are claiming to stand with and who they hate. Huh. As we grasp at victory, there is a cancer, an evil tumor growing, spreading in our midst. <laughs> Shout out his name. Put in. Put I love that. I love the crossroads there. Yeah. Like, isn't that like kind of a, a body language of being shackled? <laughs> yeah. I th- yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Why aren't they hating? Oh, they will. Hmm. I think. (laughs) It's like, get it, girl. (laughs) Who throws a shoe? He's like, he knows. <laughs> yep. Inner party. Yep. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally <laughs> this this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Science a, Man a over here. One year old. <laughs> Sock like something like in- information society. Uh, I think it's English uh, socialism. I'm pretty but sure. I I N. Yeah, I think that's just how they abbreviated it. But I I think that's what it's oh, referenced okay. to. Interesting. Uh, so hates it's in groups like that. It's pretty intoxicating. It's yeah. one of those things that uh, you know in the book. It's just references people's inability to not participate in it because it was, uh, it's such a collective experience. Yeah. Uh, 
And when I think of that, like, I don't think literally that's what people are doing, but I, I think like in their internal dialogue that it might be, it might have elements or, you know, maybe 20 seconds of hate, you know, throughout the day, like in, in little like pings, mm-hmm. you know, little pangs of hate, like, ugh, this motherfucker, <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's a catharsis uh and getting that out and just uh you know like having a a target for that energy yeah. and yeah i <clears throat> and i i don't think it's just like like i don't want to you'll hear about it probably it'll mm-hmm. probably be like a meme around the internet but like so you had like uh, during the hearing for supreme court today uh you had tom cotton familiar with him uh yeah what is he from oklahoma something yeah, Republican. Yeah. um this is really all that matters and then immediate like so he was bringing up like hey he was bringing receipts like uh you know what what can you explain this ruling can you can you explain why you made this decision on you know pedophilia cases and you know they're really going hard on the pedo mm-hmm. and um immediately following him was cory booker Hmm. who went kind of like on this whole emotional apparently she she uh pulled out some tissues and wiped her eyes huh. and cory had her crying that hard so he's really appealing to like emotion mm-hmm. and so what i'm saying is the this two minutes of hate sometimes it almost even acts in reverse like a two minutes of like almost like hateful empathy and what i'm trying to say is like they they won't listen to the evidence or the receipts they'll only listen they'll only redirect you back to cory booker Mm. wasn't his wasn't his speech so moving you know it's exactly what we need this and that but then you say yeah i get all that but is this the person you know and i think that's what's happening when you have like the narrative surrounding like a like a diversity hire you always have is this the if you're gonna hire someone based on these criteria? Are you are you hiring the best one? Nobody wants to listen to that. They want to hate the Republican. They want to hate the person like in their mind the boogeyman. It's, it's the white supremacist and the hiding behind the bush. You know, and if you oppose someone of color, you're you're holding on other merits. If you're opposing them on other merits, and they happen to be a person of color. Then all of a sudden you're you're that behind the bush person or that idea, mm. and you're just, you're just trying to keep them down, not because they support or go easy and light on pedophilia. It's because they're their skin color. And I think when I when I see these, you know, people in this crowd like screaming and yelling, those people that I'm talking about, that's what what I see in their heads, you know, in their brains. I see that kind of outrage because you don't want to go too far. You don't want to press that pedophilia thing too far because then eventually they'll just blow up at you Hmm. with hate. Yeah. These, yeah, these, sorry, these people remind me of the people that Ted Kaczynski talked about, just the over socialized, uh, (laughs) under informed people, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but I, I see what you're saying regarding uh, in in reverse with how it can be, how it can backfire kind of is what you're yeah, saying. Maybe it's just evolved. Playing the card too, too to hard. Yeah. Or just it's so ingrained. Like they don't even have to gather together anymore to hate. You know, and the problem is it seems so obvious sometimes, especially in these situations that um, t- to anyone who's a, a some, somewhat aware of what's going on or how human psychology can be used against ourselves mm-hmm. uh, is that like there's there's some patterns here that there we're being marketed to and using very uh, like primal urges and and things <laughs> far yeah. beyond our comprehension of of why we gravitate towards certain types of uh propaganda and yeah. uh that's what makes it so infuriating uh the uh, the vox clip mm-hmm. where they're talking about um there's no commitment and what does that that even mean there's no commitment to truth like <laughs> Okay, yeah. I, you, you still may tell the truth, but you're just not committed to it. Like, what does that look like to be committed to truth? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. to say that or a reality, um, you know, when when you bring up these things about how psychology can be used, has been used against populations. Oh, that's just they deny that reality. That that reality is totally denied. Mm-hmm. By the media and then by extension the people who follow the media in in terms of their linear thinking it's it's infuriating yeah i mean it's uh it's everyone but but our our media don't worry yeah it's just just this one time it's different <laughs> yeah. this one time yeah i've noticed that a lot too yeah. going it's, on it's infuriating in its own way. Well, yeah, um, and like it's the track record too. Like we've been, we have a track record of lying. But yeah. now that's what I'm saying. Trump's a signal jammer. Like then he comes in, calls the media fake, so we have to do the opposite, mm-hmm. and not just completely blindly trust the media because he said it's fake. <laughs> oh, it's a great dialectic, isn't it? We're just bouncing between. Well, what a what a great on-off switch to, to be. <laughs> It just embodied by one person well no not, uh, not just not one oh, well it is one because putin, yeah. putin is trump again um yeah back to your gold <laughs> i mean it's yeah just... we're, we're handing off the goldstein torch from well sorry in between was the uh, anti-vaxxers obviously um oh but, yeah uh, and now that's been passed off because the, you know the Ukrainians Russia. are uh, you know sixty five percent not jabbed. But Ooh, any yeah. you know that little oh yeah it's bit. don't you don't you just love that contradiction of who these people are standing with? Wow. Hey, what about your uh, what about your neighbor down the street? Anyway, uh, well then we should stand at least sixty five percent commit to standing with Ukraine. Thirty five percent or whatever. <laughs> Um, however you want it's your choice (laughs) yeah your choice so this this idea of how hate and fear can be used um to manipulate us it's it it goes to uh what hatred actually is serving you know why why we give in to that pain and um 
Well, let me, uh, I found this video of this. Uh, I think she's a, a therapist, but she, she does a really good job of explaining um, the purpose of hatred. Hatred, I call this the profound mirror, because what I've noticed about hatred, and this is also a part of Jungian psychology, is that hatred is a sign of the complete loss of your boundaries, right? Anger is about boundaries. Shame is about, anger is about the boundaries from the outside. So if people are challenging you or trying to abuse you, your anger should step up. Shame is about boundaries with your own self um, so that you aren't doing anything that would challenge or abuse others, right? Anger and shame work together to keep you upright and to keep you socially viable and also um, socially worthwhile, right? Love it. And anger and shame are incredibly important emotions for your entire psyche, your entire personality structure, your entire life. When hatred comes up, what it says, this is the language of emotion cards. What it says is your boundaries are gone. Um, this person and their evilness or whatever you want to say has come in and has broken all your boundaries and your shame is gone too because you're willing to go out to attack back. Kill them. <laughs> yeah. I, I love, I love that idea. She's putting, we should link this so that, I mean, I, Oh, sure. I yeah. You're out for sure. But, uh, no, this whole yeah. video, the the full video that she has about this is. Oh, I love that idea. Watching. I love that idea. It's it's useful too. Mm -hmm. But I mean, link linking to it. Sure. No, no. But oh, I have hatred. The way she talks say, about yeah. shame and and anger. Um, I was just, I was, my mind was blown. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's you don't really think about it being your boundaries because. Right your shame keeps you in check. It keeps you from saying something that you that will be perceived as hurtful. Perceived or, is the key word. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> or uh, take, you know, you. you know, it, it makes you more polite and, and respectful uh, in a similar way that anger, you know, if somebody does something that is deserving of anger, you're setting a boundary like, Hey, that's not okay. And I'm expressing that. Whereas yeah. hatred uh, as we saw in the two minutes of hate, those people don't have any boundaries. They're just overcome. They're, they're in another complete state of mind. Yeah. And didn't in that book, didn't they, in that story, they, didn't they have like very emotional sex as well. <sighs> yeah, like, actually. And I'm not sure about that. Now that, now that you're saying that. Yeah. And that's just like another boundary. That's not mm. there. It's just like that <laughs> sexual bodily boundary. Mm. Like, you know yeah so when we don't have boundaries we're uh we're we're prone to <laughs> you know going all the way and and saying things about certain people that maybe we don't uh actually mean or it's said in spite uh yeah. not not from a place of groundedness you know yeah hatred it? hatred and being grounded don't seem to really go together you know no, they don't at all. And you're, you're spot on. There's no groundedness. I mean, have you, you know, have you ever, <laughs> of course you have, we all have is acting on a hate. You, you can look back on it. You're not, you weren't grounded. No. And then, you know, and like ever. you said, perceived, you probably had 
perceived threats happening at that time too you know which is like and like it's uh the current administration likes to put it up a uh, uh existential threat <laughs> you know putin and russia now is just like COVID is an existential threat well, yeah to our exi- uh, entire existence yeah. yeah and so when you feel that perceived threat oh it's I mean, you go into these primal mo- emotions very easily yeah, because oh, they're toying with the boundaries you don't oh, yeah. have. Uh-huh. You don't even have these boundaries. You don't have uh, the typical American doesn't have a concept of being invaded or, <laughs> you know, even held up or killed by another country. You know, we just have all these inward mirror shame moments of like our own country being fucked up. Mm-hmm. But we yeah, don't. but we don't. We ne- it never comes home in that way. Right. Yeah. More covert all ways. over the round, yeah, all around the globe have have that. That's an actual threat to them. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, you know, boundaries. I don't want to talk about borders necessarily, but that's where that comes into play. Is is you have an actual threat, a history of a threat, and you throw up a, a border. You know how how what do you mean? How dare you? Don't. <laughs> I'm just saying that's how it's happened. In, in, I'm just going. You know, whether yeah. I agree with it or not, it's nobody's business. But like, <laughs> no, I don't want anyone coming over the border of my body. My body is a border at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I, I'll let in yeah. who I want to my 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 body. Uh, <sighs> yeah, we all have borders, some somewhat. Yeah, and they all get violated at some <laughs> at some point. You know, and that's when you gotta reestablish the boundaries. Exactly. So play this out. Right. So hatred is a sign of complete boundary devastation. And what they find in Jungian psychology and what I've seen and what you can see everywhere around you is that hatred is a mirror and the boundaries drop because there's someone living out things that either you've always wanted to live out and they get to do it and you're just filled with rage about it or because they're doing something that your whole moral structure says that you can't do and get away with, and they're getting away with it. Um, hatred's always about the person, right? But it's all, also always about you. And in Jungian psychology, there is a process called shadow work. Hatred uh-huh. is considered a part of your shadow, a part of the things that you can't accept in yourself and you demonize in others. Hatred is also the the turn, the split side of adoration or uh, romantic in love feelings. Um, interestingly, they both light up the same parts of the brain, hatred and infatuation. Sorry, I got clipped off there. But yeah, uh, the profound mirror, hatred. Yeah, she said shadow work, which always raises a little bit mm-hmm. of a flag for me. Hmm. So it's too. It's a very occulty. Mm. You know, just I just come a lot. I come across a lot of books and a lot of books that are dealing with shadow work. I also deal with like tarot, and they can't just like leave it to young <laughs> psychology. So that's where I'm kind of hung up. But yeah, she's right. Yeah. I think she's right. Yeah, it's a reflection. You know, like here, uh, the reason that you hate someone or something is because of something that is going on inside of you one way or the other, Uh, whether it's because they're doing something that you don't agree with 
or they're doing something you don't allow yourself to do and you want to do and you hate them for being able to do it. Um, which <clears throat> we see both ways because, oh, you're not, you're not looking out for the common good or for your community by not choosing not to get the, the vaccine, you know, or, right, or right. like, um, or also hatred because it's like, well, it's, it's bullshit that they didn't have to get it because I did, you know, like, well, you, you didn't, you could have made a choice, right? But you're also resentful for, for the other reasons. So it's it's interesting yeah. how that, but it's a reflection of their own character ultimately. But, Absolutely, yeah. It's a little bit of envious. I get. I feel like, whoops. <laughs> hey, hey, ring the bell. Full bell. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah. Just I just get that little like uh, envious feeling from you know. I see it a lot. I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, well, you get to do this, you know. It's like, well, you're not taking into the consideration the per, the full scope of a of a human being's like emotional life either, because you're probably doing something that they wish they could do as well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if somebody gets mad at me for something I do and they want to do it, you know, I, I'm I guarantee there's something about them that I always I wish I could do, you know, mm. as well yeah we all have our our things where it's like man i wish i could do that better or i wish my mind worked that way or i was more one thing or another um yeah but that's not a reason i hate somebody sure yeah i i try not to let my hatred or (laughs) i don't really hold hate that much i try i really try not to and when i catch myself i mean it's just not something i put energy into uh, because i'm not trying to react i'm trying to respond uh, after contemplation sure um, i think you and i probably fall in the in her category of like you see somebody doing something that morally you're not you don't allow yourself to do mm-hmm. and they're getting away with it right yeah i generally it's yeah. more of that um and yeah. a lot of people are are stuck uh in that part of the brain that um, just keep keeps them more re- reactive. It's that old uh, reptilian friend of ours. So mm-hmm. what happens is that part of our brain is activated and it takes over. That part of our brain says, you better not raise your hand and ask a question because people might laugh at you. That part of your brain says, I'm going to read business plans for dummies and do it just like it says in the book because then no one will be able to tell me I left that part out. That part of your brain says, I better not reach out to this person and offer them something because they might take advantage of me or they might laugh at me or I might say the wrong thing. And so the lizard brain loves school. It loves being a cog in the system. The lizard brain is soothed by working on the assembly line because it's not your fault. And if it's not your fault, you can't get blamed. And if you can't get blamed, you won't get in trouble. And you will end up, end up homeless and starving to death and dead. And that's the only way it thinks, black or white, in or out, one or the other. I can relate to that. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a, a certain level of <clears throat> when you don't want to take responsibility, when you don't want to have that uh, you know, the, basically the responsibility of, of responding, of having to make a choice. Uh, a lot of people would rather fade into the background, just 
be another one of those members of the people screaming at the telescreen during two minutes of hate because mm -hmm. there's a certain level of I'm no longer responsible. And in crowds, as we've seen over the past few years, uh, that level of individual responsibility kind of gets lost in the in the madness of the crowd sometimes. And uh, that's that's uh, displayed in in many different forms. And I think currently what's going on with Ukraine and similar to COVID is is kind of a manifestation of that where it's it's just easier to agree with the collective on one thing or another than it is to um, have to take any responsibility for anything. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever had a pet reptile? Uh, I don't think so. No, I don't think it's I have. Like, have you ever had seen them in, in like, like a little glass, the little glass box mm -hmm. and like baking mm -hmm. with their, with their sunlight on? Mm -hmm. Like the, the lizard likes, it just likes to sit and bake in the sun. It doesn't like the flight or flight, you know what I mean? Mm. And I think you're right. Like the these situations that were, you know, being thrown thrown at or, you know, thrown at to us, they're just big, for a lot of people, just big old bake lights. <laughs> like you, you don't have to, like you said, it's easier. It's easier to follow along with the crowd because there's no fight or flight there in the crowd. Everybody's just moving in one direction, you know? Yep. If you can bury yourself close enough to the middle, there's no, even then any threats coming on, they're not going to get you because you're in the middle of the crowd. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and because you're parroting what everyone else is also parroting, then it's just this self-perpetuating echo chamber that is, yeah. um, you know, allowing you to get further and further into your own um, kind of artificial sense of what you believe or why you even are doing anything, you know? Yeah, totally. And even like the arguments are, they're so standardized for everyone that, that I don't even think, mm, I, they, know. I don't even think that they have to fight because if they just yeah. repeat, it's not even, I don't even think it triggers that reptilian reflex of a fight. And this is where I can, uh, uh, Masha, Masha was her name, I think. Mm. Gessen from from Russia. Mm -hmm. In that earlier clip on Vox, where she's saying that it's so hard to you know pursue the truth and like what what, what did she say? Uh, it's uh, like unbearable or humiliating. Yeah, I can get down with her on that because if you've ever argued with somebody who already has like a pre-programmed argument to your argument. And you're just trying to talk about the truth. Mm -hmm. Like, let's just say the truth about COVID. It is unbearable to pursue that truth. Mm -hmm. Because you're just, you're, you come up against so many, like, rows and rows and rows and rows and rows of just, like, frontline, like, propagandists. They don't send the warriors in, into war, into battle first. You know what I mean? So the the main propagandists, if you can create a bunch of little fact checking propagandists out there, you never have to battle mm -hmm. as a master propagandist because you just keep sending out more and more of these drones. It is it is unbearable, Colin. <laughs> it really is. She's, she's hundred percent true. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna look into more of her stuff because 
Yeah. She's well, it, yeah. it's unbearable that... Um, I know we were mocking her. <laughs> it's unbearable. Well, I was saying it's unbearable that people find that unbearable. Like that <laughs> they, they can't even bear to explain their own position. Oh, unbearable. I can't. I, I, it's such a, it's such a burden that I even have to, exp- you know, the truth. No, I, I, I think it's up for debate here. Uh, um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think as a part of this process, I've wanted to really understand, um, you know, how, how do people get wrapped up in that herd mentality of just doing what everyone else is doing because everyone else is doing it? That that kind of self, the closed loop of I don't know what you call it, um, progress or something. UBI. (laughs) Oh, we're getting there. Yeah, it's it's a new token. Uh, The herd uh, herd token. Have you uh, no? Be body in that the the chattel coin. Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude. That's a that's a fork. They're gonna fork (laughs) out. So it's a is a fork off the the vodka. <laughs> the vodka oh yeah, that's the OG. Yeah, yeah the OG vodka. Um, this kind of explains uh, pretty well how how we we fall down these. This traps. quote from John Steinbeck's classic "The Grapes of Wrath" paints a powerful reality about human nature. It depicts humans as the social animals that we are, reminding us that in times of uncertainty. People are afraid, and when we're afraid, we rely upon the herd to guide us. Sure, the crowd's guidance can be a useful crutch to lean upon, but what happens when we use it too often, when we're just lazy? The concept we're teasing out here is known as herding behavior, and we can define it as people doing what others do instead of using their own information to make decisions. So they're just giving. <laughs> so, hold on, pause it. I want to read this too. But they're just, they're just giving us new words and defining it. <laughs> I, you know, I, that's a great point. Uh, is this is this actually uh, in some kind of uh, diagnostic manual? Oh, you keep keep playing. I'll look it up. I'll yeah, <laughs> yeah, please. Time. It could be. Often, we see a large number of people acting in the same way, and we think there's no way that they could all be wrong. They must know something that we don't. We start to base our decisions off of the assumption that everyone else has done their research or knows something that we don't know. But that's hey, not always the case. Herding behavior is an actually an, an economic investing term. <laughs> what? So, yeah. are okay? Did these guys just kind of pull it, associate maybe. it? Yeah, maybe. Man, there could be a there could be another definition. Just, it, should... If you if you say if you just type in hurting behavior, you you get oh um, yeah, that's, you that's hurt hard. behavior, which is not the same as hurting behavior. Yeah, right. Um, and hurting social influence, economic decision making. Why does my dog hurt my kids? Okay um hurting instincts but you get a lot of um just behavioral economics let's see you know what is hurting behavior investments that's all you get so maybe maybe they pulled it but maybe, yeah out. maybe there's another definition somewhere yeah. it's that chattel coin <laughs> it's all about the chattel. <laughs> yeah we got it it's uh, dropping soon Consider the following example offered by Robert Schiller, an economist at Yale. 
Suppose two restaurants open next door to each other. Restaurant A and Restaurant B. The very first customer sees two empty restaurants and must choose which one to eat at based only on their appearance. Red and blue. Let's say she chooses Restaurant A. The second customer sees one person eating at Restaurant A and an empty Restaurant B. She makes her choice based on two things. First, the appearance of each restaurant. That's her own information. They're going to go off of it. They're going to go on a Yelp advertisement here pretty soon, I think. The fact that the first customer chose restaurant A. That's external information. If the second customer chooses to go to restaurant A, then the third customer will see two people eating at restaurant A and an empty restaurant B. I think you see where this is going. As people continue to join the crowd, they prompt others to do the same. Eventually, each customer might end up at restaurant A, which could actually be the poorer restaurant. Which uh, I don't know if you've heard of Dave McGowan's work uh, into Laurel Canyon. Uh, You've talked about Laurel Canyon. So there was this group. It was Vito and the Freaks. And it was the I think they're basically the originator of what people associate as the the hippie image, the long haired hippie freaks, you know. Mm-hmm. They would, uh, in the early days when all these bands were coming up, like the Birds and the Doors and all these other uh, acts in the scene, uh, they would essentially show up to their concert and be the scene. And the band at the time, like the Birds and the Doors, were not very good live acts. Hmm. But because Vito and the Freaks would be there, it'd be a scene unto itself. And it would attract people because what are, what are all these crazy people doing at this new scene, you know? Yeah. And so they, they assume that, Oh, these are the bands when a lot of people from that time were like, yeah, these were actually not some of the best bands playing. They just had really good uh, marketing. Thanks to Vito and the freaks and other, other, you know, parts of that. But Yeah. So but, yeah. was Vito and the freaks like the, the inferior quality band. <clears throat> well, they were just they were just like the uh, the groupies or the the people that were in the audience dancing to oh. get get the crowd hyped. Oh, hyped. But oh. but they but almost like undercover marketing to where people yeah. weren't aware that they were part of some kind of operation. But yeah, um, but that's how you manipulate uh, public opinion. And gee, has this happened in color revolutions? I I uh, I digress. Yeah. What's happened is people have ignored their own information, and that creates a distorted signal chain. We think that everyone has made an informed decision, and that decision appears to have value. But in reality, everyone has based their decisions on the decisions made by others. Mm -hmm. And because of this, our decision contains no real valuable information. These chains of behavior are sometimes called informational cascades, and they help us explain everything from standard conformity to fads and booms and crashes. Speaking Mm -hmm. of this quote. Yeah, so we have a lot of people doing things because everyone else did them and because everyone else believes it and everyone else has the same sign they're putting in their front yard. Classic pump and dumps in the stock market. (laughs) Yeah, they're pumping, dumping, uh, yeah, we solutions and shit. Well, they're definitely selling Ukrainian flags at least. Oh my god, it's ridiculous. Yeah, man, sunflower lapels. 
Whew. Oh boy, I haven't seen those yet. No, uh, watch that Senate hearing. Oh, oh, is that is that a Ukrainian uh, signal? Yeah. Then I'm assuming, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know it's their symbol, but I didn't that's why they're wearing it. That's, that's yeah, crazy. yeah. And it's not their symbol, isn't it? Just their their national flower. I thought <laughs> the symbol was like pass. Maybe know. I yeah sickles. Totally sure pitchforks. But uh, the way that this herd mentality, this herding behavior has been turned on recently with both um, COVID and now Russia is the uh, through the manifestation of like the scapegoat ritual, which we all know the term scapegoat. It's, you know, somebody takes the blame for something and it's the everyone's. Uh, turns their, you know, ire to that person or that thing, that group of people. Yeah, the the scapegoat is the unassuming human being. Mm-hmm. They're not assuming that they're vulnerable, or that people will just blame them for no reason. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? All yeah, they, they can be innocent. They can be uh yeah, guilty culprit yeah, yeah. Low level or uh, either way yeah. um, a convenient scapegoat yeah uh, Ep- epstein would be a good scapegoat for some people now he's also guilty obviously true but, yeah. Uh, yeah but he's a scapegoat for a lot of people yeah. and i found this video it's from truth stream media you, you know those guys right yeah i love them uh, they, they produce some really good content and uh so i went down the scapegoat uh, rabbit hole here in ancient times, the accumulated misfortunes ah. and sins of the whole people were sometimes too. laid upon a dying <laughs> yeah. God, who is supposed to bear them away forever, leaving the people innocent and happy. It's the idea that it's possible to transfer the burden of pain and sorrow, guilt and sufferings, the bad and the evil, to a chosen person who will then do all the quote-unquote suffering for it in lieu of the group. Once a moral purging has occurred in the form of ridding society of this polluted person who has now been infected with the morbid matter of everyone else involved, a ritualistic cleansing has taken place, a form of ceremonial purification. The way this is done repeatedly and has been for hundreds of years and continues to be done even today smacks of a religious belief for these people. It's a ritual much akin to the cremation of care at Bohemian Grove. And they wouldn't keep doing it if they didn't think it worked or derive something from it. That's just basic. You don't do something over and over again if you don't believe in it and believe that it has an effect. And... Yeah. It's very useful ritual. Yeah. It serves... um, And it works. Otherwise, uh, they wouldn't continue to do it. Um, and it's it's amazing how easy it works and well, how, how frequently. But Yeah, how frequently, exactly. I could see once every 20 years or something. You know? Yeah, it's, it seems to be accelerating, though. Like, we had time yeah. between the Russians to Osama. We had a little break in there, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. And then... Well, uh, so, you know, you're talking the 90s? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the scapegoats was the musicians back then. I guess, yeah. You know, like the moral degradation of of society was like the fault of like yeah, the rap, the yeah, and NWA, yeah, 
and then the rap and all that yeah huh there's always a scapegoat going around it's very very useful and yeah. uh i found this this series um <clears throat> i don't know i forget the outfit that did this but uh it it goes into uh why we scapegoat as a society and ha- what what purpose that serves hmm. uh i'll just let's roll this first one here there's a certain humility needed to understand that i'm the product of other people's desires starting with my parents humans tend to group people on the inside and on the outside in order to maintain group identity and social cohesion it's a never ending process and that can bring us into a dangerous vicious cycle because as humans we have a natural tendency to transfer blame which means scapegoats are all around us all it takes is somebody to stand out a little bit and that starts this process of scapegoating once one person has identified a person or a group as problematic it makes it a lot easier for the second and third and fourth person to believe in the guilt of the scapegoat much in the same way that that restaurant really got a lot of people because a lot of people mm-hmm. are there mm-hmm. it can it can work in the same it can work for love and hate you know yeah and i think also in time, in terms of you saying it it, it becomes easier for more people to do it. Mm-hmm. I think it um, also make, makes it easier for the individual to do it multiple times. You know what I mean? So you, like you scapegoat someone the first time in your head, you know, it's wrong, but you need a scapegoat. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you've already done it once, you can do it again. How easy. Well, it's easy. It? Yeah. yeah. It works to some degree. Yeah. And like some people won't let you scapegoat them. You know, well, you can you can still be scapegoat scapegoated in in private without you being aware of the ritual being done to you. You know, yeah, that's true. Yeah, like yeah. you don't have to be present. <laughs> that's totally true. Yeah, wow. Because we're, I mean, we've I'm sure we have been scapegoated by one person or another throughout throughout our life, uh, and throughout this whole uh, time. The yeah. last few yeah. years, yeah. Uh, but it, it it serves a purpose in that it it kind of brings a sense of relief for the people who are transferring that blame right uh, away right. from themselves. And you know, much like hatred is that profound mirror, instead of looking inward, they yeah, use that hatred and look outward. Yeah, you mean the shame. The shame mm-hmm. to look inward. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then and then they project the their feelings of whatever the situation is onto an object as a yeah. as a way to resolve their own tension about one thing or the other because it's easier to view it through that lens of we're fighting this evil villain and we have to do whatever it takes, you know. Yeah, and it was brought. The point was made earlier about the the fear of uncertainty, and uh, I think the relief. Yeah. I think it has a lot to do with removing that fear of uncertainty. 
because if you know if if a war breaks out, you know, who's who's right, who's wrong? You don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I'm afraid. Let's scapegoat. Yeah, and well, then jump on that. Oh, that's part. easy. I know. I know that guy's bad because I've been told he's bad for a long time. So right. it's his fault. And then and you don't have everyone to, else is assuming. It. Yeah, you don't have to engage in the unbearable practice of pursuing the truth. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it's very unbearable. It's humiliating, actually. <laughs> All right, let's, <laughs> let's go back to my was that desire? Uh, <laughs> so this kind of uh, yeah, such just fleshes it. it. Well, it fleshes it out more. Okay. Um, regarding, Same guy. Say, yeah, this is a series of clips from this. Okay. Um, but it just fleshes out why uh, scapegoating brings relief. Here is mimetic. To say that desire is mimetic is to say that it's imitative. We imitate the desires of others really from the first moment that we're born. And as groups, it's even more powerful. This gets to the heart of the scapegoat mechanism. The more people begin to engage in this mimetic process, the easier it is to convince ourselves of the guilt of the scapegoat. A scapegoat is someone or some group that is used to achieve a very specific purpose. People make scapegoats when there's some fundamental truth that they don't want to acknowledge. Hmm. (laughs) So a person or a society can transfer the blame onto them and expel or eliminate. I, I love this uh, Elizabeth Holmes like yeah, just very random choice. It's totally but random. They, uh, they have a lot of the victim random. of scapegoating. <laughs> I mean, I get I, of who that that she, would be interesting. <laughs> if it was true. Yeah, and they that, have interesting B roll in this series. I will say did this. This guy, what did he say was mimetic? He said the desire, the, uh, desire? is mimetic. So the more um, people are placing desire onto whatever it is, the more other people will catch sure. on to that. Yeah. Uh, and it amplifies itself. Yeah, I just find it interesting that comes from like a Darwinian perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay. Them. And imagine that the cause of all of their problems is gone. People do it because it produces a sense of catharsis or relief or healing. Scapegoating feels good because it's a way of protecting ourselves from having to suffer. Mm -hmm. Somebody else has to pay the price for our sins, for our weakness. Scapegoating also forms group identity. So throughout history, when there's absolute social disorder is the time when there's most likely to be a scapegoat. Mm. A scapegoat brings a moment of peace and relief. Ah, we finally identified the root of the problem. We dealt with that. Yeah, when a scapegoat is most useful is, uh, what was that? What was that line? Let me play that back. Absolute social disorder is when there's absolute social disorder is the time when there's most likely to be a scapegoat. 
I, that rings true to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wasn't it? Time, but now, yeah. I mean, what what was happening right before all this? Because uh, the Canadian trucker situation, right. freezing at bank accounts, looking yeah. at the board, like things are building up with other convoys, and people are looking inward and like this is crazy and what's and then boom it's all of that was just mm -hmm. removed in mm -hmm. favor of the scapegoat yeah mr. yeah mr russia man yeah there was really nobody to scapegoat in the rally no or... no it was uh it was like hey this stuff isn't working it's not uh and maybe it's maybe it's doing the opposite or maybe uh you know like whatever they're saying doesn't make sense and gee trudeau doing this in canada this is a little freaky and then yeah. i mean that he was probably like klaus can you talk to vladimir do me a favor i'm scared but this this is all kind of a gordian knot for us to be honest because like <laughs> how how do you explain to people the difference between scapegoating and and holding people accountable because and i say this because mm, of sure. the, uh two years of hate towards fauci like he there's people i'm sure that believe he's just the scapegoat you know what i mean he's just the innocent little guy <laughs> That's just running around being, you know, having all the sure. arrows tossed at him. He is the science. He's the science scapegoat. The science scapegoat. What yeah, because he is. Well, he is the science. Remember, people people aren't they? They don't hate me. They hate science or whatever. Oh, so you you're saying that he's he's being set up to give the 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 um. <laughs> he's. I think he's just the scapegoat all around for like the both the people in power. And the people who hate what's being done in the name of COVID. He's just the all-around scapegoat. Yeah, because if you look into his emails, there's other players that are way more. He seems to be more of like a foot soldier. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, Fauci, we need to control this narrative. You do it. Interesting. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that... <laughs> that fact of when society is in disorder the yeah. scapegoat provides a sense of order because then you can uh, you know instead of and i can imagine all these people kind of who have been in the narrative regarding covid and they're getting a little restless and they're wondering what's going on hey uh what's what is my government doing and what like I, even I'm not cool yeah. with this. Like yeah. I don't I don't want to look inward and oh my god Putin, and then then they don't have to and then it's it's this whole and whatever they said in the uh, true stream media about yeah you're able to send away that evil onto that object yeah and, and uh, send it out. It's just World War Three, man. The, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no biggie. Mind no normies, <laughs> you know. You're, you're totally right. Everybody switched back. Anybody on anybody on board with uh, changing their mind about things? Yeah. Even if they're not into Ukraine or that whole situation, it got wiped off from their, their mm -hmm. view, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. It totally undercut that. I mean, even as somebody who's like, no, this is still bullshit it like it has you focused on this other thing because yeah. like oh what is actually what's the truth over there and what's going on like yeah 
Good timing, guys. Yeah, you can always play the war card. Um, yeah, go back to go back to getting your half million dollar loans with you know, incredible <laughs> interest rates. <laughs> oh, get get some yachts. Uh, let's. And I ra- think Gerard and Mimetic Theory provide some. Uh, let's wrap this up. Yeah, it's yeah, yachts on auction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We got your yachts, your your Russian yachts on auction. What was that guy's name? The Yatsenyuk, the Svoboda party. No, Yats- no, it's yachts. Yatsen Yatsenyuk. Dude, that Yats- sounds so familiar. I don't know. Uh, he, he, oh, Victoria Newland was talking about him. Like, oh, let's no. get yachts. Klitsch. You know, yachts was. Yats- oh God, she can't even pronounce names. Oh well, she's got a. Uh, She's Brown. just got to cinch the yachts and the bla- and the blats and the flats. Oh yeah, the yachts on the mind. <laughs> I got yachts on the mind. Yachts, what else? Yachts, <laughs> yeah. yachts what's up? Oh. Yucking it with yachts. Yeah, get that yuck off your brain. <laughs> Smug yucking. And I think Gerard and Mimetic Theory provide some insight into this sacred function of the scapegoating ritual where people have to die in order for our society to feel that something good has been done and that we're able to to move on. It's super dark. (laughs) You see these big scapegoats throughout history. Jesus, the Holocaust. But scapegoats happen on a micro level all the time. Steve Bartman, the Cubs fan, who was scapegoated for causing the Cubs to lose. Sports teams that have a bad year, what's the go-to method to make everything better? You fire the coach. We look around in our workplace and we see people being scapegoated and fired. Mm -hmm. Scapegoats are made in the news media and in politics practically every day. We make a scapegoat and 24 hours later, we need a new one. (laughs) The universe is swarming with scapegoats, yet none of us actually think that we have any of our own. Isn't the world swarming with scapegoats? Like people scapegoat? What's that? The world, the world is, he said the world is filled with scapegoats, but it's, it's more sinister. It's the world is filled by his logic with people that are looking to scapegoat other people and pass the, the blame. Like, it's not, I don't know. Sorry. I just, I had an issue with the way he said that. It is a little, uh, a little confusing the way he framed it. I, I, I kind of, well, the way I, w- I took it at the end there is there's many scapegoats, but, uh, Generally, people don't think that they're that they have a scapegoat, that they uh, uh, are aware of that act. Like, oh yeah, I'm scapegoating that guy. You know, like, oh oh, who's your scapegoat? <laughs> really? What do you mean? No, I mean, he deserves it. <laughs> yeah. Like, are you aware of your being engaged in that ritual? Like you were saying about Fauci, because that's that's something okay. that I could relate to. Like, am I scapegoating him sometimes because? You know, at the end of the day, like there's way more people involved than just this guy. He's just like the the, the Goldstein of 
of COVID, you know? Yeah. But is that scapegoating? Or are you just, are you just actively recognizing that if he was yeah. down and held accountable, then maybe other sure. people might take a little bit different look on the whole situation? Well, I, I guess I would separate the actual accountability and, and responsibility he has for certain things from your emotional uh, relationship with it and how it, yeah. how you you are uh, interacting with, you know, like, do you have a two minutes hate uh, with Fauci? And even if he's deserving of it, is it worth it for your own psychology? And what, what does yeah. it have to say about what? why you're doing you know kind of more on that line but I, I get what you're saying like there's more worthy uh scapegoats than others if you want to frame it that way well no what um, i mean was just like kind of how he was just saying that people people like i just don't i take umbrage with people that have this ultra simplistic kind of dumbing down look on people mm. and where, where if you say the universe is just filled with scapegoats you're you're taking accountability you're scapegoating those people <laughs> that's that is you're taking the accountability off of those who wish to nefariously scapegoat or to use it consciously mm. i'm not talking about you know the the subconscious thing because i think you're right the biggest and hardest the most important thing but also the hardest thing to do as a person is to have that situation where you're you're emotionally involved step outside of it for just just a few seconds to think without those emotions like fuzzying up your you know your your mind or your sight or however you're perceiving mm -hmm. things you know what i mean yeah well that's almost like your emotions are manifested in manifested in your body you know a lot yeah. of the time in your nerves mm -hmm. and then you're shaking and your, your heart rate can elevate and before you know it you're in that like fight or flight response mm -hmm. and like that doesn't that's not conducive to a rational like is this person accountable for this or what's the situation here it's more like no I, that guy's bad right right that guy, that guy, bomb him bomb yeah. him <laughs> and that's what that's what you're because you're saying to to hold fauci accountable because obviously you and i do too have like a lot of motion tied in between um or up in the last mm -hmm. two years and what you know what we've seen happen what we imagine could be happening you know who wouldn't want to scapegoat like to right. actually see that guy get like you know held yeah. accountable to some degree yeah and it's also really important to step outside your emotion mm -hmm. you know i make the same argument for the trumpers too like right you, you love this guy so much but just just step outside mm -hmm. and it will help you and maybe they do you know sure because i'm just kind of going off the media's interpretation of like trumpers and they just worship him or something but you know, just step outside. Maybe, maybe look at what he's doing or not doing. Sometimes, so goes both ways. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, anyone, anyone who's going to be a hero is going to be a scapegoat for somebody else at this point. If you're <laughs> similar to, it's like a hero scapegoat is like love and hate. It's a similar, yeah, yeah, you know? and they're both no, uh, they're both exaggerated because that person can't. It, they're human they're not a superhero but they're yeah. also not some they're not some supervillain either so right yeah so. uh and i i wanted to bring in this clip from uh brett weinstein weinstein i think it is not weinstein uh Berenstein, Berenstein. <laughs> bringing in the the most recent prior to 
Ukraine anyway, and Russia was uh, was this scapegoat that we we're getting tossed oh, around. Well, he, he magic trick. Yeah. Well, oh, sorry. So yeah. you're saying that that he's speaking before any awareness of this Ukraine Russia thing? So yes, this is, this is awesome. older. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. Visible from certain places. The idea that to oppose vaccine mandates, to oppose any vaccine, to have any doubt about the efficacy, safety, the wisdom of any vaccine renders you an anti-vaxxer, no matter how vaccinated you may be, is a tell, right? That is the monster letting you in on a secret, which is that the term anti-vaxxer doesn't mean a goddamn thing. It's a threat, right? It's a stigma that will be uh, appended to you, irrespective of your beliefs and behavior, and that you should be very, very frightened and you should run from that stigma. You should do what they tell you so they don't wield it at you. And the answer is, don't listen to them, right? If they're going to define anti-vaxxer so everybody's an anti-vaxxer, well then fine, right? Then it's a meaningless term. They so, did the same with racist, right? right? It's the same trick. Same thing. It's the same Oh, is that who's that lady? Is that uh, oh, that's his wife, uh, Heather. Okay, yeah, herring, herring. Uh, yeah, but it's it's a <clears throat> these are terms that are tossed around uh, anti anti vax, alt right, conspiracy, mm-hmm. whatever. You, you you know those climate change those, denier, yeah, the, denier, well, COVID, was... COVID denier, uh, yeah. Putin, Putin lover, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh. You know, it, there are those terms that are seen as if you don't don't make us use this term to make you the scapegoat, you know, and yeah. can, cancel culture is a, another ritual of scapegoating. It's like a more uh, people like 21st this. century version of it. But yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it serves a purpose. Fun. That's why people love canceling. It's like, oh, I, I just love Oh my God! Do, do, have you sent off your goat today with a, a a new thing of blood? Have you done it yet? Oh, I sent my goat off into the woods, bloody, ready to just absorb all the evil that I, I myself have not resolved. <laughs> right? Yeah. Wow, Becky. Maybe you should uh, maybe you should deal with that instead of wasting another goat there. Yeah, Becky. Someone's milking that goat. <laughs> yeah, Be- Becky's a big goat lady. I don't know if you know that, but no, no, good for her. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, she's she's not all bad. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I I wanted to uh, round these these clips off with I I, I just got a pull from 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 my guy Academy of Ideas. You know, they they do good work on all these different topics and kind of want to roll into why um, why fear makes you and a population easier to control individuals looking to take advantage of and manipulate others have long realized the power of fear when one is gripped by fear of a threat real or imagined their rational and higher cognitive capacities shut down making them easily manipulated by anyone that promises safety from the threat. No passion so effectually robs the mind of all its powers of acting and reasoning as fear, wrote the 18th century philosopher Edmund Burke. 
Ruling classes for thousands of years have understood the power of intentionally invoking fear in their subjects as a means of social control. Henry Frankfort, in his book, The Intellectual Adventures of Ancient Man, noted that between 1800 and 1600 BC, a fear psychosis spread through ancient Egypt, precipitated by the invasion of foreign rebels hungry for power and conquest. Initially, this fear psychosis was justified by a real threat. Yet even when these foreigners were successfully driven far away from Egypt, the ruling powers sought to artificially maintain fear among the population, realizing that a fearful population is easier to control than a fearless one. As hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah, if... Yeah. So if you uh, if you're fearful, you're always going to be looking your own mortality in, in the mirror, and uh, you're going to immediately go towards uh, you know cowering or or looking for somebody to protect you or or do irrational things. Whereas mm -hmm. if you don't have fear of your own mortality in that way or your own uh, excessive levels of safety or whatever it is then you're not going to fall prey to the, the traps of, you know, the, the mass formation stuff as easily. Yeah, man. I don't even think it matters anymore what these people are afraid of as long as some sort of fear in them is being used. Yeah. It's, it's just a new target. I mean, it'll, it'll change. It'll probably change before the end of the year. Honestly. But it makes no sense. Like it just makes no, <laughs> it, I, I agree. It will. I, it will, because the election's coming up. Yeah, right. After the election, we'll go to something else. I mean, wait till Jackson isn't, no. isn't um, nominated. Wait till that's denied. <laughs> I mean, they still got to bring out the the burn in the streets, because that really puts the fear in the yeah. Republicans' head. I feel like that's a that's a summer Olympic uh, affair. <laughs> like, yeah, they can't they can't do it every two years, because then it burns burns out the the effectiveness of it. You know. Yeah, but I could be yeah. wrong. Maybe we'll be speeding up. You well, know, they just got to get some new words. Yeah, maybe this is just in its infancy. Yeah, you know, because then know. you know it'll seem like three months is a long time. Here they are again. You know. Yeah, fear. It's the. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, it's again. It's getting the lizard brain in there. You know, yeah. it's getting your your survival instinct kicked into overdrive when in reality it's just all through a media portal of what could happen based on what is supposedly happening from sources that are, uh, shall we say less than reliable yeah. generally. And clearly there's, there's a reason why governments use fear, uh, because, yeah, uh, it works. Um, it works. It's, it's, easy it's very easy. It's probably the lowest common denominator for them. Predictable. It's pretty. Yeah, they've they've put it through all the tests, and yeah. here we are again and again. And uh, yeah, let's listen. The artificial construction and maintenance of fear in a population by a ruling class has remained pervasive from the time of ancient Egypt up until the modern day. Oppressive governments often maintain their grip on a nation by continually invoking fear and then proceeding to claim that only they, the ruling powers, have the means and ability to protect the population from such a threat. The whole aim of practical politics, wrote H. L. Mencken, is to keep the populace alarmed and hence clamorous to be led to safety by menacing it with an endless series of hobgoblins, most of them imaginary. John Adams, one of the founding fathers of America, 
echoed this sentiment, writing, fear is the foundation of most governments. Wow. <laughs> hey, you guys, remember that guy, John Adams? He, you know, Didn't he have a, a son? Quincy. Quincy? Oh. Didn't he? Or I think, I think, no, was it? Well, it wasn't John Quincy Adams. Oh, was he, was he his son? Yeah, I think John Adams oh, was the okay. second, and Quincy was the Ah, oh, you're right. Fourth? I don't know. But the man knew, knew some stuff there, because, uh, boy. Um, I mean, even though he was, <laughs> he's one of the founding fathers, it's like. Yeah. Uh, is he putting fear in our he, foundation? <laughs> yeah. He's, he's letting you know. Because <laughs> the very American part of me is like, oh, well, he bent it in a way that, you know, he's fighting other countries. Yeah, right. So he, yeah, you want to believe that, right? Was he? Yeah. Uh-huh. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know their character, to be honest. They're all kind of cartoonish at this point. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, I want to believe it. Yeah. But, you know, there is... Uh, it's not... It's not all hopeless, because um, I, I do like to end on uh, a more uplifting note. That like we're not we're not totally in the dark. We can't uh, give in to fear or the fear of the uh, just all of this that we're surrounded in all the time from other people. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this show is kind of an example of the antidote to fear, which is to try to pursue uh, truth. And uh, let's hear how he wraps it up with that. George Orwell, in a related manner, viewed political language as largely a form of propaganda designed to deceive people. As he wrote, political language is designed to make lies sound truthful and murder respectable and to give an appearance of solidity to pure wind. The technological advances of the last century have given those in power the ability to propagate their narratives and engage in fear-mongering to an extent never before seen in history. However, despite the unnerving situation we find ourselves in, there is an antidote to the power of propaganda and fear-mongering, that being knowledge. Plato rightly stated that ignorance is the root of misfortune. And as long as we remain ignorant of the fact that all too often, those who claim to protect us from fear are actually manipulating our fears for their own benefit, then we will be contributing to the misfortune of the world through our ignorant compliance. The philosopher Voltaire stated that those who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. To avoid being an individual who can be convinced of absurdities, one must become an active truth seeker, instead of the all too common passive propaganda receiver. That's it. Yeah, interesting. I mean, that's, there. that's not it, but that's that's the that's the start. You know, like you have to start having an inquisitive, curious mind, which, um, you know, it's not incentivized for a lot of reasons, and it's also as uh, who was that lady that you 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 referenced earlier? Uh, we watched the video of the Russian uh, the the Masha journalist, yeah. Masha. Gasson? Yeah, the how it's how humiliating and uh oppressive or uh unbearable inv- invasive <laughs> uh, <laughs> the search for truth. Yeah, the search yeah. for truth. Uh, you know, uh, exhausting. 
I don't. Do you find this exhausting? <laughs> the I the, communicating the truth. I do. Yeah. Uh, well, just having and trying to understand it. Yeah. Um, doing what we're doing now. Yeah, and that's. A, I I would say this is a, you know, we're acting it out to some degree. We're just asking questions and I trying mean, it's to understand. It. Yeah. I mean, you have to dig, and you know, it's like cutting out tree stumps. Mm-hmm. With wedges sometimes but I but mean, it's, it's truly ultimately but, it's rewarding i think it's funny because i i find a lot of people stray away from this information because they're afraid of what they're going to find and what they're going to have what they're going to be faced with and yes. what it means and having to make a choice about the information that's being presented uh and so a lot of people stray away out of out of fear ironically because the truth is kind of intense and scary sometimes but for me personally i'd rather know so that i'm no longer susceptible to these types of uh propaganda campaigns that um a lot of people if you're not questioning every step of the way you're gonna end up inevitably falling prey to one of them sure you know, we all do to some degree, but that's how, they, that's how they build inroads into your mind through the media. Mm-hmm. You know, they get they get you not questioning one thing, and then bam, they've already got a whole lineup for you. Oh yeah, you know, just look at Trump. You know, <laughs> super easy to not question him. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to believe. I believe a lot of things, mm-hmm. you but know, um, and I think uh, I think people, to your point, are also scapegoating time by saying that I don't have the time to look into that. Yet they spend <laughs> hours and hours and hours scrolling, <laughs> or on Netflix. No kidding. I yep. Exactly. And all of a sudden, they don't have time for things that that matter. That actually, not that they matter. I'm not. They affect them. Well, it's it, yeah, it's it, it's matter. It literally, <laughs> it's yeah. not just uh, flickering images on a screen. It's like right. this yeah. is my daily life, right? <laughs> yeah. This is how I live, you know, yeah. and that this is what is how it's impacted my ability to do that. Exactly, like, and it's valuable to understand that. Personally, mm-hmm. I I've uh, you know watched a lot less stuff and just dived more into learning and. Um, as much as I can, because, um, you know, everyone has their own diversion of entertainment. We all, we all have mm-hmm, our, uh, mm-hmm. our, uh, <clears throat> whatever outlet it is, but, um, more and more, I'm just, I find this, uh, deeply enjoyable and it's, it's cool to, um, share it with everyone so that maybe we have a little less fear and a little less hatred in this world of ours because sometimes that two minutes of hate feels like two two years two weeks of hate to slow the spread of slow two weeks of hate to slow the fear the slow the slow the fear yeah jeez but it's been so long already i know it's two years pretty much yeah yeah Pretty pretty soon we won't be able to buy seeds again <laughs> in the stores. Which will be nice. Oh, 
Is that for climate or that's the next, that's cyber, the cyber, uh, cyber no. seed COVID and it's coming. Co- back. Yeah. No, sure. Lockdown. We can't have Easter again. I swear to God. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, don't, don't scapegoat, uh, the COVID as much as just, just anything. Yeah. Uh, try not. So I won't for stick your own and blame the coof. Yeah, I got you. I got you. No. Well, sweet man. Well, we got to look into this a little bit more. I think at some point. Oh yeah, scapegoat rituals in general. Yes. Yeah. A whole lot of things. Oh the hurt, yeah. The hurting. The hurting. Um, what they call that? The hurting. Hurting behavior. Hurting behavior. Yeah. Where's that coming from? And maybe my man uh, Zach over there at uh, Vox. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll. Yeah, no kidding. Where Where is he now? Because he's acting uh, awfully stupid for being so smart. And he's probably in key. Suspicious. He might be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, until then. Yeah. Take care, man. Yeah. You too. What's a boy with a love makes you ain't that careful? You got a heart on fire, especially with desire. Got a heart filled with passion. When you let it burn for hate or compassion, what's the point? If you ain't time, careful love, careful love. What's a boy with a love makes you ain't time, careful for? What's a boy if you ain't time, careful love? What's a boy with a love makes you ain't time, careful for? Killing 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 Got a heart with passion. Will you let it burn for hate or compassion? What's the point if you ain't that careful? Careful love. What's the point when the love makes you ain't that careful? Killing, 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 killing. Killing, 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 killing,